covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Week 7's recap of Wednesday Rewind here on Inside the Walls podcast. Alongside me, my partner crime, 900 miles away, Zach Collin. Hey, how's it going, man? Good and week. And of course, me, Jim Renier. Uh, I don't know how to get this week started, but first off, let's get to what you guys need the most, is what we have going on here on the podcast. Remember, you can follow us on, on any social media platform, at Pod. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, possibly TikTok, I don't know yet, or you find us on the NationalArenaLeague.com website for slash videos. We are either on the main page, half scroll, halfway down the screen, on the right side of the page, where you get updated videos from inside the walls. Also, contest. Again, close. We get about 24 subscriptions left. Remember, when we get 100 subscriptions on the inside the walls YouTube page, one of you, our listeners, via Twitter or Facebook, how we're going to do it, will win two free tickets to the NL game of their choosing, regular season tickets only. Um, Unless we get some push from somebody else in the league, you might have something else. But right now, two tickets from us to you for the National Marine League regular season. That's easy. Just subscribe to us. Remember, like us on Twitter and I'll care on YouTube. Hit the bell. It builds morale, as one of our colleagues would say. And there you go. we're here to give you guys NAL action um, from recaps to previews to interviews. Got a big week, week eight. It's cool that we got three games to talk about because we're full slate of games. Week seven was intriguing. We got a couple of good storylines. Got a lot of heat from some people. Um, but, hey, that's what happens when you cover the league. You get to meet from some people. But, hey, let's get into the games right off the bat. Let's start off in the battle down in Orlando where the Columbus Lions went to the jungle for the jungle versus jungle robbery, if that is a robbery. It should be. They should be filing fighting for a battle axe of some sort. Um, but it was a very uh, close matchup at the end of the scoreboard, but it was a tale of two halves. First half looked like it was very, very one-sided by Orlando with, uh, with the Cato doing his thing, Outlaw Beavers and they're doing thing. And Columbus just hitting the walls, not, not literally, but they were slow, couldn't get anything going. Um, but a key situation happened in the third quarter that changed the whole narrative of that game, and Columbus got back in the game. We have a colleague of ours that says, yeah, it's a comeback, but he had no he had no, you know, luck towards it. He didn't feel right about it. Um, but it's an it, for me as an outsider, this was happening during an event I was at with family, so I couldn't watch the game. Um, my recap of watching it, the energy in the arena is there. Orlando's getting their fans back slowly. I really that's honestly, that's the big thing about any indoor league is you gotta have fans in the stands. And also Orlando. Like we said, multiple weeks, they're finding their way. They're still finding their way, and they're getting better. They're 500, they're 3-3, three and three, and they're currently right now third in the standings at halfway point of the season. So for Orlando fans, and for Jackson fans, for Albany, Carolina, for the whole league, they're all scoreboard watching because one week it can flip to a different position on the board as we creep towards, I think, a very competitive July of entering postseason play in August. So. Entering midway midway through the season right now, for me, Orlando is a playoff team, not just based on their standings, based on their performance over the last four weeks. They're getting better. Um, and this game, 
it was a classic arena game. Two sides of story. Certain things happen. Narrative switch. But I watching this game, I always kept saying something wrong with Columbus. There's something not there. But they're being competitive. Like, but they just ran out of the gas. And from my perspective, that's me. Like, but Cato going down third quarter really changed the narrative that of this game. It did. Uh, it it really did. And, and you know, I mean, I could have I could talk to you about how great this weekend was because it was all three games were competitive, but really, I mean, if you're watching this first half and you left, you know, the predators had everything going for them. They were defensively getting stops. Cato was, I've been saying, I know I sound like I'm like his number one fan or something, but I mean, the dude was showing why he's been trending upward consistently. Excellent passes, either sidearms, downfield, Clarence Williams, him and those two have a great connection going right now. But mid third quarter, you know, he goes down with an injury trying to stretch to the goal line and things just kind of flip. D'Angelo Fulford was not, you know, you don't expect to be thrust in this role like this. I mean, sure. Backup, I guess you, you know, you have to have some readiness, but when you have someone that has been kind of able to elude and keep himself healthy this whole time, someone that's been in, in sync with the offense so consistently this year, and you have to go to Fulford who, you know, hasn't exactly had as much of the expertise as say Cato has. So, yeah, you know, putting that in perspective, it just was a big mess, just kind of a big, big mush of a mess to try and kind of limp to the finish line. And really Columbus had opportunities second half. Once Kate, once Rakeem went down, they had plenty of opportunities. They came back and were with it within a score Yeah, to even take this one home. But, you know, interceptions, late penalties, just a bunch of stuff going the complete wrong way. Darren Daniel is not fully healthy still. You know, there was talk. We understand that he was, he, he was taking shotgun snaps because he can't fully, he's still not mobile enough, you know? So, yeah. which is again, shotgun in our game, at least the NAL's game. That's weird. You know, that's weird to see. I know obviously San Antonio does it, you know, but overall you're supposed to, most of the time you go under center, you do the drop back, mm-hmm. you know, or you're, or if you're like Jacksonville with Arvell Nelson, you do a quick pass right out of the gate, you know, get that thing straight up and out. But for them, they had to do shotgun because it was a necessity just to even get a pocket to form. So clearly, Columbus has to lean on their defense. Right now, best scoring defense in the NAL right now, just as a heads up. You know, if, if there's one thing Gibson doesn't have to worry about, these guys know how to play play defensively and keep you in games. Um, clearly, though, this one should have been out of hand early. Um, Rakeem yeah, obviously had a ton of it. And, you know, I'll give credit to Orlando's defense, which in recent weeks has kind of been – maybe not boat race, but they've had to uh, do a lot of learning on the fly with this roster. And they came up on top late. Uh, Larry Beavers, a huge credit to him getting a late turnover to kind of seal the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he played great. Um, I actually put him in as my Ironman vote of the week, by the way. So we'll see how that goes later on. But I mean, you know, they came, they came and got stops when needed. You know, it was tight at the end, but it made for a fun game, I guess. Tensions rising and all. Um, predators get to walk away at least with a victory. His Rakeem Cato status, though, hangs and looms large going into at least our walkthrough. Crucial. This week. So, where I'm gonna, I'm, I myself or you, one of us will find out hopefully before the entry reports come out if mm-hmm. he's gonna even play. Um, because I mean, otherwise, D'Angelo Forford's gonna need to really show me a lot more than he did last yeah. week. 
and that he'll have a week to play if it's the case or to start. But I, I <laughs> there's there was obvious issues of concern. You might be three and three, but I wouldn't be feeling great great on the status of uh, where Orlando is going out of this one is what I'm saying. Uh, agreed. And uh, also when a lot of people ask that how, you know, the offenses are crucial and they were in a game and you, we had the coverages, all three games have the broadcasting team doing things of how people understand the game. When you look at the stats of quarterbacks, especially in the arena game, I'm not talking about the outdoor game. Well, the outdoor game, if you have similar stats, Usually your team is really good or you're struggling or you're very bad. Darren Daniel threw for four touchdowns. He also four, threw for four interceptions. So those touchdowns canceled out those interceptions. Um, you can't. You have to be positive number. If you have a quarterback that's four for one, like four, like four touchdowns and an interception, you have plus three advantage on that. That's, that's pretty good and most likely won that game. I look at the stats of this game, too many turnovers by Columbus in this game that cost him an opportunity to be in this game even closer for them to complete the comeback. Now you had guys like Townsend and, and Fortson get their numbers, but when you overall look at their roster, if Desmond Reese was then, I think Desmond Reese didn't play um, from what I remember, I, but there's things in this game, you, you know, yeah, you got Fortson that gets, you know, 43 yards, two touchdowns Townsend and got 55 yards and two touchdowns. But you look over, it's like, where's that third guy? Where's that fourth guy that's standing out? Yes, you have that third guy, you know, Brown, that's getting some yardage, but he's not scoring touchdowns. But when you look at Orlando's stuff, Orlando's coming out here, even before Cato was before Cato got hurt, Orlando has homeboy Clarence Williams that has 92 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Lonnie Outlaw's getting in the mix. Uh, also, Larry Beavers is getting minutes. Larry Beavers made a huge play in the fourth quarter and sealed the game. You have people on Orlando's side that are coming out that weren't on the were not even in the story last year or last week. They show on this game. Yes, you know you have guys like Darren Clark that didn't. He, you could say he showed he had one reception, but the backup came in. Fuller threw two picks. So technically, Cato plus three advantage. Orlando plus three advantage, three possessions advantage over Columbus. And when the backup came in, the, 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 the positive, the decrease of that possession game got reduced. This game was just weird that it was a tale of two halves, but when we got to the second half and Columbus was making the comeback, it didn't really like feel like a comeback just because the overall stats, when you look at Daniel's stats, really hindered Columbus's chances of winning this game. Now, did Orlando steal this game? You see the chatter on Twitter. See the chatter on the docs. I don't think so. They did enough in the first three quarters to separate themselves from Columbus, who is a walking wounded team right now, and Columbus just ran out of gas to get to this point. Was there if there was three or four more minutes in the game? Possibly, but the comeback was so ugly that it didn't get completed because of how poor the play was from Columbus. Now. You look at the transactions. Columbus has another guy coming in. They're trying to figure things out. Um, this week's big for them. Uh, they play home against Carolina. Oh, yeah. But this week, did they the Orlando stand the win? Not really. They got the 300. They got the 400 or 500 overall record. They're three and three. They're there in the mix. They have a half game lead over Jacksonville, half game lead over Columbus, plus the tiebreaker for Columbus. So 
midway through the season, three and three is pretty good from Orlando. Sorry about the technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but overall, it's not really a – it was an ugly game, but sometimes the old saying goes in covering football, dude, you'd rather have an ugly win than a horrible loss. And even though it was ugly, Orlando got the W, and they lived to fight another day. For Columbus, they're two and uh, two and four. Now – no, excuse me, they're two and three. Two and excuse three. Me. They're mm-hmm. two and three. Um, go to the drawing board again. Trying to find a way to, you know, get your home crowd involved next weekend, this upcoming weekend when Carolina Cobras come to town, who are coming off a big win this weekend. Um, it's a big game for Columbus if they want to slow down Columbus, uh, Carolina's uh, progression to clinch the number one overall seed and get themselves back into the fold of things, or they suffer another loss to Carolina and slowly fall back. And hopefully, either Jacksonville doesn't start pulling away with that four seed slash three seed. So. It's a crucial game going to happen to Columbus this past weekend or this weekend. And from what we saw last weekend and what we saw a couple of weeks and the last couple of weeks from Columbus, I think it's become an emergency time. It's urgent to get something done. Yeah. I mean, quick, quick changes. Obviously, obviously you're talking about signings. I mean, they got another quarterback, Tommy Neely. And I mean, I think it's just out of necessity for who's banged up. I mean, Danny Southwick couldn't go this week in this game in this game against the Predators. So you have Darren Daniel, who's coming back still from a car accident and is trying to go in. I mean, he has obviously a brace on his leg again, the mobility issue, Mm -hmm. you know, does it also doesn't help arguably for his accuracy. And they need someone that can guide that offense to where, you know, defensively they can take care of things on that back end, but they're not having to worry about what if we give up those one or two touchdowns and then we get behind two possessions. Can we keep up? So you need to have someone that can at least get back there and commandeer a competently run offensive unit so you can take advantage of Forston and Townsend on that side of the ball rather than just having their defensive capabilities most of the time being utilized. Um, this week will be big, though. That's all. Yeah, defensively, though, I mean, hey, when you, you have the best scoring defense in the league, um, they, they, they bully you. They, they make sure that you know that, that when you're coming off the line, you got to fight through it every play. So uh-huh. – Carolina, I think, knows that. Albany knew that two weeks ago. And Orlando, eventually, I mean, Orlando, they were handling them their way, but eventually they got they got at least to where they could uh, apply a little bit of pressure. Now, I'll tell you, though, uh, Columbus wishes they had, I think, either San Antonio's or Jacksonville's offenses. Because, I mean, the best game of the week, in my opinion, if we're just talking pure football, pure, you know, just arena fun, um, it definitely was, it was definitely in the shark tank. Uh, and it was one that I think, you know, you and I in the final walkthrough were kind of, we were hinting at it that we were like worried how this game would turn out. We didn't know how, how it was San Antonio would look, you know, coming off a loss from Orlando, you know, they played Orlando close, but can they play Jacksonville who arguably at that time we had as even higher ranked and trying to even more up. And they came in and the entire game, it was back and forth lead changes a plenty or, San Antonio for a good chunk of this for at least two quarters had about a possession lead, or at least would be a few points ahead. I tell you, Jim, they were a few decisions away from pulling this one off a few yeah, right. different choices on possessions. They could have pulled this one off in the shark tank. Yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed with San Antonio. We said multiple for the last couple of weeks, San Antonio is getting better. They each and every week, they're improving each and every game. Now, they just went wire to wire with Jacksonville. They ran out of gas in Orlando. They ran out of gas in 
or went wire to wire with Columbus, and they in the first game they ran out of the gas with the Orlando Predators the first time. Yeah. Now they got Albany coming in town. Is this the week they finally get everything together, play a complete game, and pull off a win? If they pull off a win, that's a huge upset in the arena game, especially in our league. And that really will start shaking things up in the standings a bit. Um, but overall, this game is um, Jacksonville. They're just a different team now with Arvell Nelson. Like every time Jacksonville gets the ball, you think they're going to, they're scoring them as every possession now. You weren't doing that early in the season. Uh, Arvell Nelson has really, you know, made this receiving core, Miles Kelly, Naquan Murray, Rob Jones, Devin Wilson, a better group. Yes, with the, with the great offense they do have, hits them in the back end and the defensive side of things. Their defense is kind of a, um, where you call those bull rate guys with the the bull, you know, towel. Like, oh, you're hey, talking to, you're talking to Matador. That, <laughs> Matador. Um, that's the Jacksonville defense right now. It's like, it's touchdown. Here we go. Ole. <laughs> Here goes Norvell Nelson again. Let's do it again. Defense come out. Ole. At least uh, that's the thing. At least they stood up for a few, a few, one or two drives that really changed it. Because, I mean, you know, Arvell did, Arvell did throw an interception early on that made me think, mm-hmm. oh, wow, we can get it. You know, it'll be a two possession flip for these guys, for at least for the uh, gunslingers here. And gunslingers had to settle for a field goal. Yeah. Two field goals they had to settle for. Two of them that makes me think, man, I wish you were just a little more aggressive on those plays, Coach Shaw. When you're when you're already zero and four, I don't know. I mean, you you get the ball back anyway. You already were touchdown up. What do you got to lose? And you know, even later in this contest, you know, they they took the field goal to kind of pad their lead it was like later in the third quarter or mid fourth quarter wherever they had they kicked their second field goal of the day and i went man you could have just gone on this fourth down maybe you know see what you got but i mean that's just the nature of the beast i mean i i can't knock them fully for taking points where you got it yeah but the way the game flow was going that's where i come from or you know they're getting closer every week but there's every now and then and i know this is the background of the gunslingers and where Coach Shaw was last year. They're using indoor football concepts every once in a while. They'll do like, they'll do basically what is, and by indoor football, I mean you're playing outdoor football type of plays in an arena setting. Doesn't really work as well when you don't have the indoor rules mm-hmm. in the NAL. So, yeah, read option one, plays, so forth. Yeah. Right. So, like one instance that sticks out to me, Jim, uh, that second field goal, the play before it. They ran over. They ran an outside, essentially pitch to a receiver. Um, I originally called it a reverse. It was a pitch, mm-hmm. and I went okay. And this got they got smothered for a five yard loss. And I went okay. I get what you're trying to do, but shouldn't you run a jet sweep here? Like that's a more like something that's more arena s that makes more sense. A quick like outside edge play or something. I mean, honestly, I mean the Sharks won just because they they ran a similar deal with Arvell. They just went quick outside edge it's hard mm-hmm. to beat that type of play because there's little space to catch up and get that corner touchdown so like yeah. there they were with inside the five and they blew that drive ended because they couldn't they didn't want to risk it yeah. so like i think there's a few cutesy plays that coach shaw does where i'm like if you get away from those i think you can i think you have something you know but i think there's just one too many of those concepts that he's holding on to I'm like you gotta get away from those to me you know play what's, I don't know. what's best in this league is my opinion and you so know? i know what you're talking about that play where they ran that pitch um yeah it works in the other leagues because the linebacker jack linebacker is a good 15 yards away and you do those pitches in the in the nl the linebacker is 
only three to four yards away, so he can chase you down quicker. In that case, he pitched and the DB was right there because he's following the receiver. This is like pitch, tackle. I understand. But later in the game, they did a read option play, mm-hmm. and it was like a four-yard loss. Like, read options do not work in the arena game. Well, they do. You got executed better. But if that Jack linebacker sees that play, what happening? It's a guaranteed loss, no matter where it's on the field. There's just there's just not enough space to run That's, those those plays or those uh, those ones that you need to have that outside edge. You have to focus on think of it as an inside game. You know, you're yeah. either going to pass or as many arena teams do. You do the quick handoff, you know, it's, that's the one that's the off guard play that is a jet sweep yeah. because but at what, that point your defense has to react within a half a second to what's going but, on. But what San Antonio did do very well was the tight end screens. They ran a couple of tight end screens that's throughout true. the day. They were getting 15, 20 yards a chunk. There was one play. I think it was like a third and 19. They did a wide receiver uh, tight end screen and it was touchdown and the running mm-hmm. back screen, like perfect play calls. Screen plays work good. If you, you do them, like I've always said, run a screen when no one expects you to run a screen. Don't run a screen when they know you're going to run a screen because you're in territory. When you're third and 19, you don't expect the freaking screen. You think of a quick out route or whatever. They ran a couple screen routes and man, boom, touchdown. Um, you can tell even though over the last couple of weeks, Shaw is getting better as a coach and he's getting better at calling plays. All, all the people of doom and gloom out in the world thinking how San Antonio is, you know, just falling apart. Um, this past weekend really kind of Silence the critics. Yes, they didn't win the game, but each and every week proving they're getting better. You can tell by their fan base in San Antonio with all these watch parties are getting into it. A lot of San Antonio fans may question the end of the game about the time and scenarios. Of course, it's the arena game. It's yeah. going to happen. Um, but I thought the referees did a very good job in that game. Uh, did was very balanced back and forth. Um, very. It was it was a typical arena game where. Even in our chat group, whoever we were texting, whoever gets the first stop wins this game. Whoever scores last, whoever has the ball last wins this game. And what was what was very crucial, pivotal, was towards the very end of the game, San Antonio had a chance to, I think, kick a field goal to force Jacksonville. No, it was Jacksonville. Jacksonville could have kicked the field goal in yes. the previous possession to be up by 10. and that was it. That could be, and then it was like I think a turnover downs, or I think it was a either possession or two possession turnover downs. And San Antonio got the ball, went down there and scored. It took the lead, and I was like, you know what, Jackson should have done that. But at the end of the game, they did the quarterback read option, just straight to the um, left side of the field, and Shaw calls a timeout during the play. Jacksonville basically just showed you the play they're going to run, and yep. I thought, man, dang it, Burley. What a good time for that timeout for Shaw. Really pretty much froze froze the quarterback. Um, and I was getting mad. It's like, get Hollis out there. Kick the freaking field goal. If he misses, we're going to f- over. No, it wasn't overtime. If he, mi- that if he misses, been- they lose. They were down Yeah, but if he makes it, was, yeah, you make it. It's, uh, you're, you're winning the game. And then I was like, you know what? Let's see what's going to happen. And he ran the ball. I'm like, oh, touchdown. Oh, they call timeout. Then we go to the review and see how much time's left. I'm like. There's still three seconds because he ran the they called the timeout. So the next play, I'm like, okay, don't run that same play. San Antonio knows it's coming. They ran the same exact play. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And of course, Nor our 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 Norvell or Orvell didn't run. He jumped in and got in. Then they reviewed it again. I'm like, oh, he's clearly in the end zone. What are you reviewing? 
then there's like overview in the time. I'm like, it was a read option route, right? Ball one snaps, the clock starts going, and it doesn't, yeah. It takes three seconds to run five, 15 yards to the left and dive over. Yep. So for San Antonio fans, I understand, you know, the clock. Then you had the Columbus situation a couple of weeks ago. I just want to say, get used to it because it's the arena thing. It No matter what league you're in, no matter if this is the old AFL or the National Arena League, the clock issues always come to effect. And sometimes you get them, sometimes they burn you. And this time it burned San Antonio, but I think they did. I watched the game and rewatched it. The ending, yes, I understand what San Antonio fans are saying that the top clock was spinning. I saw what they're talking about, but the if you look at the reviews from what the refs were doing, they actually had the actual clock there, so it never changed for them. So they knew the exact time. Um, but overall, San Antonio tap, you know, caps off to you guys. You're improving like crazy. Jacksonville escaped with this win. They didn't, they didn't, me and you both thought they were going, San Antonio's going to be tough. Third or fourth quarter, Jacksonville's going to pull away. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville never pulled away. It came to the very end. It came to a classic arena football game. Whoever has the ball last wins. I'll tell you one element of this game that I think really exacerbated uh, any of San Antonio's chances as well. Um, Mike Hollis being the kicker in this contest if you notice many of them weren't getting back to the backboard so mm-hmm. who's returning those kicks jim oh kali rashad you know not one of the more versatile returners in the league arguably mm-hmm. the best returner in the league besides maybe kendrick ings and well miles kelly naquan murray was in that conversation this week because he, no, he got a td as well i know yeah. that both sides got one yeah it, it, it was an in interesting too it was an interesting strategy what Burley was doing. I think he was telling Hollis to just try and kick as high as you can without hitting the scoreboard and wait till our guys get down there. And we've talked about about Rashad all the time is that he is the weapon in San Antonio, and he can either be the defensive side of the ball, or he's a receiver, or he's a kick returner. He's the you could say he is the best kick returner in the league by Kendrick Kings right now. I may have just offended everyone else in the league, but. Every Saturday or Friday, you see a San Antonio game. Rashad's going for 30 or 40, sometimes all the way to the end zone. He did a couple of them against Columbus and did one against Jackson. I think got called back for holding, but still the explosiveness was there. Yeah, it's Jacksonville did very well in eliminating. If they didn't, if Jacksonville didn't do as well like they did this week, San Antonio celebrating with their first win because there was a couple of drives there that Jacksonville couldn't kick extra points. And San Antonio's guy was nailing him. And you get that one kickoff return for a touchdown, you didn't kick that field goal because that was the same drive that you kicked that field goal. So you're not losing this game. You're hoping Jacksonville scores a tie this game. So it's a very oh, yeah. it was a it was a very exciting arena football game that came down to the very end. Yes, there's questionable calls, whatever. But San Antonio got a lot of respect in the league, got a lot of respect from Jacksonville fans, and got respect from the mat for other fans watching in. Because at one point I saw on the stream, there were over 900 people watching Jacksonville's game. And that's a home game for Jacksonville. So that tells you when Jacksonville's on, people are watching. And San Antonio there playing a tough game. You got more people on your uh, looking at the product. So it's a tough game, tough loss for San Antonio. But San Antonio, you're going home. You're finally home and you're going against the Empire. So. 
yeah, you take the L against Jacksonville, but you get the win over an empire, trust me, you'll have a lot of people going. Did I just see what just happened? So mm-hmm. you guys are approving. And yes, and the standings are only technically two games out of the playoffs, so you're not out of the race yet. Go make some noise this weekend and could be shaking up a couple of things. Yeah, they're going to have to get ready, though, and be prepared because, I mean, I don't know. If, I, if I'm Albany this week as we're going into the, this final one to talk to chat on, I mean, it came down to what you wanted. You, you had your moment there to say, we could we can get this. We can even it up. We have the one possession. The, most of this game, they, they were keeping up. Then they were trailing for a little bit. They got a missed opportunity by Carolina, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. Right there on the cusp. You got to wonder. We'll, we'll talk on this right now. Is you know, Albany, you know, build this week. The big game of the week, arguably their biggest, their their most important game in the season right now, uh, if not the most important for the season, is it was being built. Came up just short, thirty eight or fifty eight to fifty. Was almost not even that score. Honestly, that score got a, got a two point tack on at the end there. Um, one thing they did this week, they said Darius Prince. He's not going to be getting just one catch. He's going to be getting all the catches. So 125 yards, four touchdowns yeah. was basically the first guy Sam Castro was looking for most of this contest. He was the guy was what it was, but Carolina, it just, it's how it is. You know, they, they only lost by, they only lost by, by two coming into this one against the sharks last time out, they come back and they say, okay, Bigger game this week in terms of the standings. Let's just go execute. You know what? They did. Oh. Went into the hostile environment a second time this year. You know, came out on top. And you could even argue, it's funny, <laughs> Albany had a few calls not go their way as well. That was what's mm-hmm. even crazier about this. Very entertaining game. Honestly, this whole weekend, incredible, like just tight packed, closely competitive games ones that were on the edge of your seat this one had me on the edge of my seat at the end because when tc oh, stevens missed that field goal i went oh man it's game time we got <laughs> it comes down to one possession under a minute here we go and, and wait five <laughs> seconds <laughs> intentional grounding what <laughs> what oh uh, yeah this this game had everything honestly from uh, from point from beginning to the end uh and it was a classic battle of possessions. Like towards the end of the game, when Albany tied the game, and the announcers like, "It's a tie game now. Everything's up. It's it's go time." Technically, Carolina still owned the advantage of the possessions. So yes, even though it was a tie game, Carolina still owned that possession advantage. Those are the small things in this game that you don't see in the outdoor game. The advantage of possessions very crucial, and the next possession. Caroline went right down the field, scored a touchdown. Oh, yeah, T.C. Stevens uh, had a second half that kind of something that Albany to have was uh, deuces. Uh, T.C. Stevens basically put the game, I think, to a 16-point lead in the second half. Then Albany came back, scored a touchdown. Then Caroline was being conservative at the end of the game, like a lot of teams do, trying to run out the clock as long as possible. T.C. thought it was guaranteed, missed it. Castronova goes out there and Caroline's front four, just like, you know what? We ain't getting this. No, there's no comeback here. uh, Potential grounding. 
And I didn't realize that a lot of fans in that arena don't know the rules of intentional grounding. Uh, one person said it was an uncatchable ball. I'm like, that does, yeah, it doesn't matter when your quarterback you, is in the end zone. <laughs> just so we can clarify, you have to get out of the pocket to mm-hmm. throw a ball like that. So if you watch the broadcast again, as it's been pointed out now a few times, or you can go back on YouTube, you clearly see Sam's right behind the tackle. Mm-hmm. pocket is tackle to tackle. So if you aren't beyond that far shoulder of the tackle, that's still in the pocket. You have yeah. to get out of there. And the ironic part of it is Sam is the, is arguably besides maybe Arvell Nelson, really the most mobile QB in the NAL. He scored two rushing touchdowns in this game. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, it's almost like he just had a brain fart. Like he just panicked and threw it away. It's like, well, I'll live another day. Problem yeah. is you're in the end zone, buddy. That's a safety. And, you know, they got that stop because they stopped Carolina on really the two yard line for, for an extra point kick. And TC Stevens missed that one just wide, right. And you can tell TC's upset about it. He's like, that thing usually is automatic from. So the fact oh, yeah. that, that option was even there, I was just so baffled because it was like I said, the, the first play of that drive, I was like, we're going to have a long grinding drive. Both sides are going to duke it out till the end. It'll come down mm-hmm. to that extra point off of Roscoe's foot. And it was the most anticlimactic way of saying, well, there goes a game because once you have the safety, you also have to give the ball back. Oh, you mean like how Albany beat Jacksonville? Now the anticlimactic mess. I know, I know. <laughs> that was also anti- anticlimactic for OT. I just could, I was so baffled. And again, it's because Sam is so mobile. Mm-hmm. I just think, well, man, scramble around. I mean, if you, I, in the moment, I can only, Hindsight's 2020, Jim. I get it. Yeah. But like for him, I'm thinking, man, you couldn't maybe go to the left. You didn't see a lane. You just went a few seconds and I'm getting that thing out of there. Oh, you got to be kicking yourself. If you, yeah. I mean, if you're Coach Manassan, if you're, I mean, Sam, you could tell after the play when he's arguing his case, you know, the refs, it's a good call. I mean, wasn't mm-hmm. there other calls they missed? They're funny. There's one safety they got wrong, one they got right in this game earlier but sam i mean you can tell frustrated completely disbelief at what just happened after that yeah. play and it was it's such crucial that safety mm-hmm. gave carolina the season series win they won the exactly. tiebreaker no matter what happens in carolina in a couple of weeks yes carolina did their business so there is potentially if it does come down to the tiebreaker at the end of the year albany has to go to carolina so Yes, the third matchup's in Carolina, but that fourth matchup possibly is in Carolina too. And yes, it's such crucial, but you look at you get you can think of Coach Rez. Yeah, kick this field goal, put this game away, game's over. Don't miss. You gotta be kidding me. I fall know. by the intentional grounding. He's like, oh, oh my God. Um, but there were situations in this game that you gotta give credit where credit is due. Bane again is showing why he is currently, in my opinion, the front runner of the MVP. The dude is just not beating himself. He threw one interception, but that interception was I, I won't call it was his fault. It was more of a little bit of deflection from a receiver not catching it and went behind him and got picked off. Yeah, Kenny but Bain is a good tip drill there. That, that's exactly what happened there. You're, yeah. you're very familiar with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it always has. But yeah, Lance Evans went down early, so you go, man, Lance Evans down. What can Bain do? Who will step up in his place? 
homeboy James Summers comes in for the freaking one. He had a couple great catches, double cover catches early in the first half. And I was like, man, this is why we've been saying that Carolina has the better roster, the better team than Albany entering the year. A lot of people debate that, but they approve it now in two games that they're the better team. Aiden Adam Smith, again, three touchdowns. Like, not, not three touchdowns, excuse me. James Summers showed out, touchdown, rocking with yardage. Adams with three receptions, 41 yards. And, of course, of course DJ Myers showing up, like, tip of the hat. Um, those guys coming out of the game, making crucial plays throughout the game. Of course, he had, you know, the Zach Brown, not talking about the band. Uh, he could be playing the band as he's doing one-handed catches uh, every so often out of the backfield. Jonathan Bain, I don't know. He did this in Jacksonville. He did this in Maine. Um, he did this in the other league he played in. He knows when the game is on the line, he doesn't beat himself. You have to beat him. Against, ja- against Jacksonville last week, he didn't beat himself. Jacksonville had to beat him. <laughs> like He almost played a near-perfect game last week, and Jacksonville had to play above their heads to beat Carolina. This week, two evenly matched teams, and it became like, Bain is not going to He's not going to beat himself. You're going to have to beat him. And what happened? Caroline's defense had to do that. Caroline's defense had to save the day. They did that on the very last play. But there was a couple of plays and a couple of catches in that game. I look at DJ Myers and look at Sam on James Summers and going, oh, this is pick. What's Bain throwing this? And in the back, you see one-handed catch, two-handed catches, back and forth the end zone. I'm like, not a lot of quarterbacks can put the ball in that position. And, and of course, you know, the game is based on special teams. Carolina had a couple of good, decent returns, and they were getting deuces. Or Albany was not getting the deuce. And they got basically out Albany by Carolina in this game. And Carolina, right now, it's 6-1, top of the standings. Um, they're not wrapping up anything yet. It's still way too early. But they get the crucial tiebreaker over the Albany Empire. And they play a pivotal game in, Car- uh, in Columbus this weekend uh, again. Uh, for Albany, you're going to San Antonio, a lengthy road trip. Uh, San Antonio's getting better. Is this the week? Carolina, do they have a late a letdown game before they play Columbus again? Then they play Albany after that. So uh, it's going to be very crucial. But overall, when I look at the Carolina Cobras, they went there with the mission. They had some hibachi before pre- uh, the game. Uh, yeah, you know, when you, get some, <laughs> when you get some hibachi um, and get some shrimp sauce, you're going to win 100% of the time. <laughs> um, that's the go-to. Um, but yeah, it was a, a crucial, a crucial game. And you could tell about the fans in Albany, they're in uncharted territories. Like we've said, like, it's like Jacksonville, we're used to winning and last year's like uncharted territory. Yes. Albany's still four and two, but when you lose to the same team twice, you got to learn, you go, Oh no, this is unfamiliar territory. Does this turn into a losing streak? Does this turn to a second half of the season that we don't never predicted or does all of the answer? A lot more questions are coming out of Albany right now um, and then Carolina. For Carolina, they're just taking care of business. They got Columbus, Albany, and I think they got San Antonio again in a couple of weeks. So um, it's going to be intriguing. Now, second half of the season is coming. Starting this weekend, it's the second half of the season. On Friday's episode, we'll do better what we did last. We did mid-season reports last week, but it was such a off-the-cuff. We'll actually give you our legit mid-season report of our MVPs, Coach of the Year's players, defensive player, offensive player of the week, without, and what we think who is the Iron Man right now mm-hmm. um, after the first half of the season. And we'll give you – we'll do our preseason grades uh, so far for the – our 
midseason grades for the every team. We're not going to do a power ranking this week. We might do it, but we'll just have it as a graphic so you guys know. But we'll do the grades of the teams, what we think, what we think are good, what we think is going bad. Just midseason report. That's on Friday's show. Um, but with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's Wednesday Rewind here on Inside the Walls podcast, the official podcast of the National Arena League. Um, I wish we had someone else to say, like, continue on with different things. I can say, hey, this beverage is blah, blah, blah. But I can't because it's, it's not. But anyways, um, <laughs> remember one thing, ladies and gentlemen, uh, social media, follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, maybe TikTok. I don't know yet. I don't want to think I'm going to do that. I don't want to act the fool. You already see me here three times a week. I can fool. I won't do it again on TikTok. So follow us on Twitter at IntWallsPod. Also follow us on nationalgreenlink.com forward slash videos for all of our updated videos from all the way to Mason's Estimosis interview. So we're up there and loaded as well. And when this episode days view, we're live on uh, we're live on the website. No delay there. We got that That's situated right. too. Um, also remember, like, subscribe, get 100 subscriptions on the Inside the Walls YouTube page. Two free tickets to our fans from Twitter or Facebook, whatever, or even YouTube. Go ahead and do that. And we might have something else uh, in the works because next week's a big week for this podcast. Yes, Not league-wide, but for our podcast. We're trying to figure something out to give you guys something to shout out for one-year anniversary of the Inside the Walls pod. And it's next Saturday awkwardly during the same game week. But overall, it was a good week. Week seven was a great – this is what arena football should be. Just like this, games came down to the wire, different type of ways to get to the final score. It's all nail biters, all nail biters ever across the board, just different ways to get there. Jack survives, Albany falls, Caroline's up top, San Antonio's still trying to find themselves, and a lot of question marks in Columbus. Will all those be answered in week eight? We'll give you that information on Friday, the final walkthrough. Before we leave, though, remember one thing. Diversify the portfolio. Be like Carolina. Spread out the wealth. And don't be a jack out of the box, man. Just don't commit penalties. <laughs> be reserved. Be Coach Rez. Or, or dive over the pylon for a touchdown for the game when you get a touchdown. That's what's going on. <laughs> With that, ladies and gentlemen, I am Jim Renier, and that is Zach Kalman in Indianapolis. Like he said, don't be jack out of the box. And like for you, we'll see you tomorrow for... Turf Talk. <laughs>